I thought you were going to continue She makes me feel so right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's a spoiler warning. Look at that. Spoiler warning for all things Groper Roll and pretty much all things ever because we can't control ourselves. But thank you Definitely for listening. Spoil the Matrix. Oh, yeah. Big Matrix spoilers incoming. <laughs> not, re- not, not the new one, just the, old, the regular old <laughs> Matrix. It's all a simulation. <laughs> And we're back. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, look at that. Two voices this time. I know. I've returned to you. Yeah, finally. Where have you been? I'm sorry. Life gets in the way sometimes, but I'm happy to be back. Life gets in the way. They had to listen to me for a whole hour again. My sincerest apologies. I think you need to make them a little bit more sincere than that. No, there's not enough sincerity in that one. <laughs> not enough sincerity. I'll work on it. I'll okay. workshop it. Okay. Uh, welcome back, everyone, to the Insight Check, your weekly critical role podcast where we take this week's episode or last week's episode uh, and break it down for you. I'll give you a nice little summary. Give, uh, give some predictions. Give some thoughts. Uh, and then, so this week, we will be talking about... Critical Role, Episode 9. Yeah, how do you feel about Episode 9? Um, I'll be honest, I was not super invested in this episode. Not that there's anything particularly wrong with it. Just I just couldn't get into it for some reason. Yeah, the beginning was a little... I Okay, so we left off Episode 8. Fern was de-wild-shaped. Mm-hmm. I did my rant and why you should always choose a spider instead of a rat when you wild shape. For oh, good. I'm so glad that people got to hear this rant. It's it it's important. Everyone should. It's just good knowledge to have. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was very excited to see how she would get out of that. Uh, what the consequences would be if there were any. Generally, just excited for chaos, Fern. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think we hit that. And then we slumped back down for a little while. And there was some good role play. There were some funny moments that we'll get into later. Um, And then we rode that slump down all the way to the end with Chetney pulling a vax. And and that's where it started to pick up where he goes full vax and does something no one should do and splits the party in a major way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the ending was good. I'm just ready for them to get into an arc really like yes. i feel like we just we've done a couple little odd ends in here and there and exploring the city but i'm ready for like the main storyline to arrive yeah so for context uh i looked this up earlier we have been in drusar for nine episodes now mm-hmm. in this one location not really moving much Everyone, every other season of Critical Role, every other campaign by nine episodes has at least moved somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so this has been very, very interesting. I'm not, I'm not saying that Drusar is boring or that you know the story pacing isn't going as well as I want it to. I'm just saying that like, and they they even mention it. We have been to the Core Spire. And then to the Smolder Spire. Mm-hmm. And that's about it. We just go from Spire to Spire, walking back and forth. We're, we're finally taking the yeah, tram car thing. We're finally taking the trams. Uh, but 
you know, I'm, I'm ready to get out and explore the rest of Marquette or explore a different side of Trusar. Yeah. That would be wonderful. But anyway, we'll get into it with today's episode. Uh, just some, some housekeeping up front. Um, we're behind. We are behind. We're behind. Uh, this episode that you are listening to right now is hopefully going to be posted tomorrow. And then our recap of episode 10 will hopefully be posted before episode 11 <laughs> airs. We're trying, yeah. folks. We're trying. We're working out some schedule things. Um, we are also working out some some possible new content. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we are thinking about also maybe talking about the TV show when it comes out. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for that. Yeah. January 28th uh, is when, when the show airs. I'm not sure if it's uh, episode by episode or if it's one chunk. If it's like weekly, Amazon typically seems to kind of do drops. Yeah. Of the whole kind of series, but who knows what they're doing with this one. But I think that'd be really interesting because I don't have any campaign one knowledge for the most part besides like TikTok clips or something. <laughs> and me. And then you've watched a huge chunk of it at least. So I think it'd be really interesting to kind of. Yeah, I've watched things. this arc in its entirety uh, from campaign one. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what gets adapted, what gets left out, who gets left out, wink, wink. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's all coming down the pipeline along with a more consistent schedule. Thank you so much for sticking with us. You know, mm-hmm. Kevin, thank you. Uh, <laughs> it's well, know, so welcome. I know it's been a hard road, Kev, but we're here. We're, we're, we're getting the episodes out to you, mm-hmm. specifically you. Giving the people what they want. Giving Kevin. And, and by the people we mean Kevin. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Kevin, for listening. Uh, hi, Melissa. Hi, Steve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do we have anyone else you want to say hi to? Um, our lovely listeners in India, right? Yeah, we have listeners in India. Yeah, I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh, hey, guys, guess what? We passed 100 listens. Thank you. That's impressive. Thank you very much. You listened to our voices many, many times. Mm-hmm. I am sorry. <laughs> um... But no, seriously, we thank you, even if it was just, you know, putting us on in the background while you did other more important things. <laughs> Thanks for sticking with us. And uh, let's just jump into the episode, shall we? Yeah, let's get into some content. What? Well, this has all been content. Let's get into some content. <laughs> all right. Episode nine. Episode nine starts with the return of of the nerd the, the nerd the nordiverse the nordiverse yes excellent nordvpn ad um nordvpn i need you to keep sponsoring okay i need you to continue i know maybe you don't you need to know what happens yeah like i know you don't care about the nordiverse but i care uh also i appreciate sam's dedication to being dead in the nordiverse and just not being there being for the, the ad <laughs> Yeah, he did great with that. Uh, I love it. I love it so much. Um, but yeah, Nordiverse ad. Mm-hmm. Well done, everyone. Excellent acting again. Robbie, put it on your reel, man. This is <laughs> this is important work you're doing here. Yeah, it definitely should go in your filmography. Yeah, you know, I need that on your IMDb. <laughs> uh, only other 
super, super interesting thing from the pre-show antics. Uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but Ashley Johnson is using a mug uh, that says creep on it in cute little bubble letters. It's from Babstar's shop that she did a while ago. I almost bought one of those. That's adorable. I'm currently wearing the Till Death Do Us Party Babstar shirt. Weren't you wearing that shirt yesterday? Yes, I was wearing that shirt yesterday. You didn't have to tell them that. Oh, well, you can cut it out. Wow. <laughs> wow. So I messed keep up. keep no secrets. So messed up. That's why the people love me. Is that why? No. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so we continue from where we last left off from before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is wild. Uh-huh. Wait, no, there's another episode after... No, no, there wasn't. No, oh was my episode goodness. eight. Time is a weird soup. Time is a weird soup. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Fern has just been de-wild shaped mm-hmm. after taking some damage because she was a rat and not a spider. Spider supremacy in and this one case only. They were at this like factory, right? Because they're trying to find Gurge. Yeah, so they're trying to find Gurge and they find out that Gurge got hauled in um in some sort of attack mm-hmm. and so they go to the wilders and they're like hey is what, what's going on with gurge where's gurge and the wilders are like why are they asking about gurge mm. what's going on That's, uh and so it has been, it has been a while yeah <laughs> so uh the two wilders who refused to give them any straight answers ran back to the boss fresh cut grass uh using his detect thoughts um Sorry, using their detect thoughts. Mm-hmm. Notice that the wilders were being a little shifty. And so Fern wild shapes into a rat, squeezes on the door and follows them. So so we start off this episode now with Fern just being discovered in the office of the wilders where she's not supposed to be. And she is alone. She's not supposed to be there at all. Uh, and... In true chaotic fashion, Ashley Johnson plays this like a fucking champ. Yeah, she's a mess and I love her. Like, stuck in a, like, literally stuck in a room with three enemies. Mm-hmm. And I would have just immediately wild shaped and tried to run away. <laughs> but she but goes Ashley the, does not do that. No, like, she goes the, I will talk my way out of this route. I'll talk my way out and it it goes about as well as you think um <laughs> for someone who up. wants to talk her way out of things she should probably uh up her <laughs> persuasion <laughs> deception oh checks. my god uh first up fern tries to convince the guards that there are direwolves outside attacking mm-hmm. uh, and that she had to squeeze under the door and warn them because they weren't listening to her you know knocking <laughs> does not go well uh, deception. Uh oh. Rolled on eleven. No dice. Decent, decent first try. Uh, but then one of the Wilder's wardens, the W's, one of the W's, uh, the head W. W. Ask why are you in my office? Uh, and Fern doubles down on the direwolves, and starts to describe them. You know, a white fluffy one, a little brown one. Uh, no dice. <laughs> <laughs> and it's at this point that she uses the telepathic link that Imogen set up 
to kind of let her know that there might be a problem inside. She's okay now, mm-hmm. but there might be a problem. Um, and then she tries to catch cast charm person, uh, which gets interrupted a little bit by the Wilders grabbing her and kind of restraining her. Mm-hmm. Oh, charm person does have a somatic component. So that's where Mad's trying to uh, blend that in there. I always forget about somatic components and spells, to be honest. Yeah. Like, cause like, there's not a, you need to make a Y gesture with your hands, you know, like what is my somatic component? Yeah. Just cause you're holding my wrist doesn't mean I can't move my fingertip. Or... Exactly. Uh, but with a double nat one roll off, <laughs> Fern loses the strength check to uh, evade the capture of the, the wilders there. And she is sat down mm-hmm. in front of head wilder. Um, and when Imogen reaches back out, Fern <laughs> switches from I'm okay to I think they're going to try and kill me. And that throws the entire group into chaos. Uh, uh, team outside. I'm going to call them team outside. That's fair. Uh, team everybody else. Team everybody else. They start to try and break down the door um, that leads into the factory that leads to where Fern is. Now, how many people in a D&D group does it take to open a door, dear Chelsea? Uh, well, apparently, it is six. <laughs> we had uh, we had Chetney on lockpick. Mm-hmm. We had Ashton on just break it down with a hammer. Mm-hmm. We had Laudna on a rock chisel. Yeah, trying to get the hinges popped. <laughs> God. And within five on her roll, uh, definitely believe she can do it. Definitely believe she can do it. We have Dorian on let me search my brain for spells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we had Orm on fuck it, I'm just going to stab it. They were doing great. They were doing so well. So well. Making lots of noise. Uh, super amounts of noise. And one of the wardens wilders needs to go check on this noise so they do let go of fern's arm mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a funny moment because the like sound of the door draws the guard out and uh, they were like fern's like it's the dire wolves and then the guy's like what was that and she's like how would i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've been here with you no but it's the dire wolves it's definitely the dire wolves it's the dire wolves they're back mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh <laughs> Uh, but the warden again asks, you know, hey, what do you what do you need with Gurge? Why are you looking for them? Uh, offering for an opportunity to go straight. She does not. She pivots. Never. Pivots hard. This is a good one, though. Never I like tell this the one. truth. <laughs> I like this pivot. She pivots to, you know, Gurge and I were a thing. Um, and we broke up and he stole some of my stuff. And I'm just trying to I'm just trying to locate him and get, put my life back together. Put, yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, I just I just need that closure. Uh, and with a nine on the deception, whew, not not working. Mm-mm, no. mm-mm. And let's be honest, she's way too fine for Gurge. OK, I mean, we've yet to see Gurge. We don't know. No, 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 no. Fern, Fern Calloway is like a 22. <laughs> Anyone named Gurge. <laughs> It's not looking so hot. At max is a four and a half. And the guard warden Wilder guy 
uh, does also point out, like, when she says that she's in a relationship with Gurge, that, like, he's a hermit in the woods. Like, the wild guy? That's that's who you're in a relationship with? So, yeah, yeah it's, he's, he's she's probably wild. out of his league. He's real wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. So... Again, given given us one more chance to go straight here, uh, the head warden asks why she's looking for Gurge, and Fern just says, "You know, they were scared for his safety." Mm-hmm. Uh, and this time she gets a persuasion roll, not a deception roll, um, because I, I mean, I guess it's true they were scared for Gurge's safety. His house was wrecked, mm-hmm. um, but with a twelve, the head guard is unmoved. I think. Too many failed deception checks at that point. Yeah, he's a little annoyed. Mm-hmm. But Fern is partially free. So what do you do when you're partially free? You cast Charm Person. You cast Charm Person and hope to God that they fail. And they do, which is wonderful in this moment because I don't know, like, what other lies can you tell at this point to get out of here? Yeah, you're not looking so hot. Yeah. Your other best chance is to flee. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So head warden fails this save. She gets the charm person off. Uh, Team outdoor is still continuously working on this door and failing, mm-hmm. failing hard. Uh, but one of the wardens, wilders, guards, whatever, uh, let's go and goes to investigate or starts to go to investigate Um, But when he sees that the captain is like, ah, let her go, you know, release her. He gets a little little upset. He's like, hey, what's going on here? And we get the brilliant line from Firm. Hey, who's in charge here? (laughs) You know, what's going on? You're in charge, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, I'm in charge. What I say, go. That's just very funny. I love (laughs) once you get the charm person, you just start pushing the boundaries. Oh, yeah. And it's really, really fun. I think she's a perfect person to do that. Um, so she asks, you know, do you happen to know what happened to Gurge? And the held head wilder reveals that a bounty hunter named Artonovo paid them a hefty sum to help restrain and hunt down Gurge. And when they, you know, got him, he transformed into some sort of beast. Uh, and that's what did all the damage and attacked the people and they just made up the story of direwolves to explain it to people. Uh, but Artonovo was able to capture Gurge and she and took capture him alive. Ta- yes, capture him alive. She took him away. Away, 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 away. Meanwhile. Meanwhile, outside. Oh, sorry. I mean, I apologize, but uh, Fern says that the you know monster form explains all the wild nights and then the guard asks her to dish about all of it and then it's oh, meanwhile yeah, that was that was really funny <laughs> do tell do tell and she's like well <laughs> and then we cut to outside uh where after 42 billion attempts and all sorts of madness <laughs> The door. FCG cuts the door hinges yeah. with his saw. Fresh grass finally gets into this and saws through part of the door. Uh, and the door falls off. Right as the guard is walking up. Yep. It just uh, falls off its hinges. Yep. That's that's how it goes. Uh, Imogen 
bless her heart, oh, bless her soul, gets the the jump on the deception check that's about to come here, and she just goes, well, you know, it fell, it just fell right down. Um, we knocked I'm on, on the door. <laughs> disadvantage deception check pulls a dirty 20. <laughs> the guards are confused, but roll with it. I feel like that is the best. Like you need, you need charisma casters. Okay, guys, as much as the game is rigged for them, especially bards, um, you need those charisma casters just to have someone to pull off dumb shit like that. Mm-hmm. We clearly just sawed through the store. Fresh cut uh, grass a saw is still on his hand. Right? Like they're like, let me tuck that behind the back. <laughs> no, no, no. The door fell over. Yeah, we knocked and it just yeah, fell in. Exactly. And <laughs> Ashton's hammer is still probably out. Like Chutney's still holding a lockpick. <laughs> yeah, they, they were even like, oh, I got the lock picked finally while the door's on the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with a 20, the they guards let it know, go. Let it go. <laughs> and we flash back to uh, hashtag flirty fern in the office with our head wilder. Um, and that's, that's just, why I love maple yeah. syrup. Interesting uses for maple syrup. You know, that's. I don't know, with the fur. Hey, you know, maybe that's just what they're into. Maple syrup and fur. <laughs> um, but with that, the the guard does get up, you know, at the sound of the door falling and his guards coming back and being like, hey, what do we, what do, we do? The door fell over. Uh, and Fern goes with them as he escorts her outside uh, back with the team now. The Wilder's like, hey, is this you? Are these your friends? Is your guys? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna head out now. Um, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Uh, gives him a little oleander flower, and tells him to put him in some milk. I don't know what that means, but I mean oleander is a poisonous plant. Yeah, I did. Like fern is covered with poisonous plant. So, so why in milk? I don't know. I was trying to get him to kill himself accidentally. Like, was it supposed to just like sit on his desk? Or was it, yeah, is that just like instead of putting it in a vase of water, you put it in a vase of milk? Does, does the milk counteract the poison, maybe? I, I don't think that's how I science think milk works. Counteracts poison. We're gonna test that theory. Let's get some Let's oleander. Not test that. Uh-huh. We'll we'll tell you next week. Um, but they come out, and uh, Fern gets the great line of, did you guys get the direwolves? <laughs> Very pointedly. Very good. Oh, God. I love it. I love it. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, we kicked them off the side, and they just, they're just gone. <laughs> how do you, how do you as a dungeon master deal with the most ridiculous of moments like this? You just shake your head and fight your battles when you need to. Oh my god. Which is what I feel like Matt did. Um, But Fern is able to relay all that information. They walk away very, very quickly uh, from a very tense situation. And they head back to the core spire. uh, Because they are now looking for Artana Vo. Who supposedly at this point has Gurch. Uh, Artanavo, on a 13 history check from Ashton, uh, we find out that she is a bounty hunter. And she goes after some of the harder bounties. People who are hard to find and hard to bring in. Um, 
and they have some questions, you know, like who put out this bounty? Where do they even put bounties out? You know, uh, and Ashton suggests we have a rich person that we know. We can just ask that rich person. <laughs> Let's go see our rich person. And so they are off to go see Esteros. Uh, Chetney, who has not met Esteros yet, has a great little moment with Dorian. Um, Dorian just trying to make sure that Chetney can behave, you know, not be the crotchety old man that he was two episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to his credit, for the most of this episode, they have a fun time kind of like bonding uh, and being a little silly with each other, which is nice. Um, but there is also a great line in here from Fresh Cut Grass. Sam does a, uh, a great line about sponsorships because Lana <laughs> mentions that he's their sponsor. And so this is definitely Sam, uh, goes, you know, when you accept sponsorships, isn't that like selling out? You know? <laughs> uh, and then Chetty goes, well, are you a bunch of individuals or a group or how are you? And they're like, I don't know. Maybe it's like, I don't have time to give you business classes. <laughs> <laughs> and they move on. A uh, great meta joke to everyone being mad at Critical Role for being successful. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Hopefully one day everyone will be mad at us for being successful. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we make it to Estros's house. Making our way. Making our way. Downtown. Making our way to Estros's house. Uh, we have a cute little moment on the gondola as we get there where Fern is continuously rocking this gondola uh, and Fresh Cut Grass, you know, tries to get Imogen to her happy place and talk about that instead of the impending doom of them falling from this cable car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Imogen describes a beautiful field with her horse whose name is Flora. Mm-hmm. Flora, the mare. Um... It's revealed at this point that uh, Lord <laughs> Bailey knows just about about as much about horses as Travis knew about sailing. Yeah. Uh, nothing. She knows nothing. And we learned that Marisha is a horse girl. Marisha is definitely a horse girl. Uh, shout out to our horse girls out there. Um, other horse girls from Critical Role who could have answered this question? Mika Burton. Hmm. Yeah, also a horse, horse girl. Anyway. <laughs> We get to Esteros, and Esteros finally meets Chetney. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How did you think this was going to go? You know, Chetney's a little rough around the edges, but he surprised me by maintaining his manners. And I love the joke he makes about, well, if I just met this man, why would I be rude to him? <laughs> he was straight up rude to Dorian for no apparent reason. So rude to Dorian. Uh, I thought that was that was golden. I feel like he only mellowed out to Dorian because Dorian's entire life got kind of just splayed out before him 30 minutes after meeting him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be mean to someone when like their life's up in flames. You know, their brother's got a 25,000 gold bounty on his head and... Yeah, it's a mess. Technically royalty. Who who knows? Um, (laughs) But we get to Astros's manor. Chetney is adorable and respectful and and bows and kneels and does all the correct things. Um, And 
we start asking some questions, you know, who is our Tamavo? Do we know who put this hit out? Um, and they also update him on pretty much everything. Yeah, they were like, oh, we didn't actually tell you about the theater <laughs> that you sent us to. Yeah, the job you sent us to go do? Let's report on that now. Um, but we get some updates on the orb thing that was in the... In the mimic. In the mimic. The mimic wall. The mimic wall. The spitting mimic wall. Uh, we give that over to Astros. Uh, we tell him about the trashy Builders Guild who was supposed to be there. Um, Astros in turn tells him about a ball coming up and how he might make an appearance so that he can kind of ask a little bit more about the mm-hmm. Trashies. And we do Lana get... tries to invite herself to the ball. Yes. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's so bad. We do get a little uh, speculation about the Jean de Quorum. Uh, that many people think that at least one member, if not more, of House Treshy is on that quorum. Because remember, no one knows who is on that, mm. except for one, like, speaker person that they do know of. Yeah, it's like, I think the people on the quorum know, but, but if the, you're not like, on the quorum, you don't really seem to know. Yeah, it's like that's weird, though. It's like having a government, and, well, let's not lie, I don't know any representatives. <laughs> <laughs> AOC. What up, AOC? Uh, I know you definitely listen to this. Um, oh yeah, but yeah, it's 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 very crazy that the the quorum is guiding the city, but no one really knows who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, we do also get updates about the anger, and um, it, like Orum should be able to kind of meet in the week mm-hmm. or so with the anger. Yeah, so the anger has agreed to meet, um, and they just need to. Put out the, you know, hey, whenever you're ready. And it's less of a drop in thing and more of a make an appointment thing, but they are willing to make that appointment, um, which will be interesting because House Lumos, Lumos House, whatever the, the, the people who hired the anger are, are called, mm-hmm. uh, they're probably in a little bit of disarray right now with the murders and the general state of things. So they got time for an appointment. Yeah. I, I, I would assume that if I hired a, famous bounty hunter to protect me uh and then we die you know that that famous bounty hunter might be out of work but i guess things were out of their control maybe yeah, I, mean, I guess it's not always the like body body guards fault that's true but yeah it seems a little weird yeah um they do ask about artana and estros kind of looks through a book because uh, he keeps tabs on most people. And yeah. uh he had tabs on Gurge. Yeah. He does know of Gurge. Um Gurge. So they could have asked him all along. Exactly. Gurge is apparently uh praised by the he says like the lower people or the common people. So I do think it's interesting though that they mentioned that he is respected by those on the outskirts. Um, especially after the wardens mentioned that he kind of a hermit and wild person so it makes sense that maybe he spends a little more time outside of the city yeah uh but we do get information on our ton of she has a sister preo medali who runs the soot and swill tavern had we been there i feel like we've not been to the soot and swill maybe we just heard the name because i definitely had recognized the name i feel like we've gone to so many different places in the city but I still don't really feel like I have a great grasp of a what lot of everything them is. Rhyme, 
Yeah, I mean they've got some good good names, mm-hmm. but yeah. But I can't now I can't remember that middle one where we got attacked by um Duggar. Because we went to the Spire by Fire and then the other one where we got attacked. And now we have the Sutton's Wheel. But uh yeah, so Priomadali is the partial owner and manager of Sutton's Wheel and is the sister of Artana. Mm-hmm. And that is in the Smolder Spire, where we just were. Yep, so back gotta and forth go, all gotta the time. Gotta go back. <laughs> um, um, they, he does also say that Artana is a Unia. 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 Yeah, so Unia is new for Critical Role that I know of. It is an orc-elf hybrid, and let me just tell you, if that is in the freaking Taldore campaign reborn guy, whatever it is, I'm playing that every goddamn time. It definitely sounds really cool. That sounds awesome. Eshros does kind of ask a little bit about Chetney, kind of asks what his skills are. and uh, Yeah, because Chetney <laughs> offers to infiltrate the party. <laughs> yeah, the ball, because he yeah. asks if you can like actually trust people at the top. Yeah, and he's like, no, no, I don't, I don't need, you know, a path to get in. I just need your leave to get in. <laughs> uh, I thought that was really cool. Then they ask a little bit about bounties as well and kind of where they come from, how you get rid of them. Um, you know, just trying to figure out some more information for Dorian's brother. Yeah, they don't mention him directly this time, but they do kind of ask, um, you know, would the Treshies have the cash necessary to put up that big of a bounty? And if that big of a bounty is like unheard of or if it's common, Nestoros does let them know, of course, the Treshers would have that much money. They have three guilds. We only know about two of them, if I'm correct, the gold and the construction guild. So there's a third guild, unless we missed it. Let us know in the comments if we missed it. Um, let us know in the comments if we missed what guild the Treshi owns. Um, but definitely have enough money to put up that bounty. And that bounty is high, but not the highest he's ever seen. Um, and then Eshros also talks a little bit about Duggar and um, kind of the confirmed the broomstone, um, but hasn't really figured anything out about the slime substance that they found which i think is interesting he's got a lot on his plate right now he's busy he's doing a lot they do as they are walking out (laughs) um imogen (laughs) there's a great moment by chetney do we walk backwards do we like do we have to everyone's like no we we just just go uh imogen asks about her letter to the starlight star point star point we did this before one of us was right Academy. Starpoint Academy. I'm, I'm putting my money on it. Okay. Starpoint Academy. Could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Could you? Uh, Starpoint Academy. Starpoint Academy. And Astros, interestingly, hasn't written that letter yet. And I say... He has had a full plate. I, it's only been like a couple days. It's only been a couple days. But I want to circle back around to that. Because I find it a little weird that he hasn't written that letter yet. But he did talk about the anger and all that but other he's stuff. talked to the anger he's gotten information on uh uh duggar and that weird slime well he doesn't have that much information but he's got updates mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is just writing a letter yeah which spoilers we'll see him do later yeah that's true like so in it's not real that time. time consuming 
Yeah, maybe he doesn't have the uh, connections yeah. for it, really, or isn't sure if he wants to use that connection. You know, maybe you can only get so many people into the Academy, so he doesn't want to waste it on Imogen yet. Who knows? They but- do also have a great conversation about whether uh, he's, you know, if he needs any help or something specific as their sponsor. Oh, my God. <laughs> their sponsor. Anyone want to sponsor our podcast, please let us know. Literally anyone. <laughs> All right. So we roll out. Chetney, outside of Esther's Manor, is blown away by the amount of shit the group has gotten themselves into. Uh, this is the first time he's hearing about Duggar. And so Chetney tells the group that uh, they're into some shit, but he's down for it. And I think that's really cute. You know? Yeah, it's kind of the first time he's hearing about all the stuff that they're doing. and But he's still in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he does ask why they want to go to the Starlight Starpoint Academy. Starfire. Uh, and mentions that he's been there, and that's where we get our first insight check. It's not really an insight check, because Chutney just says he's lying. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Ashton does do an insight check on that. Uh doesn't roll. There's no roll there. But he is lying. Uh, and that is the point where the Wuthering Heights flask comes out. Sorry, gas can comes out, complete with a picture of Dorian on the cover, mm-hmm. uh, surrounded by Werther's originals, glued on to the gas can. And Sam does attempt to eat one of those. It's good. It's good for you. Luckily, most glues are non-toxic. Are they? Most. Most. Anyway, uh, to the Sutton's will. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a lot of conversations about age and how old everyone is. It's just a time suck. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, Fern's 112. Mm-hmm. Chetney's 101 plus. And they tried to age Mr. Like, they have a good <laughs> seven-minute-ish conversation trying to figure out how old Mr. is. And I'm like... And I'm really sad that out of all this talk about how, like, time is just a construct man uses to define change, and we didn't get a return of time is a weird suit. Oh, my God. It was very sad. I bet you Ashley does not remember that at all. I know, right? (laughs) We love it, and she does not recall. I have a sticker of it, and she's just (laughs) like, nope, don't care. Uh, But we we get towards the sentence while we get on... Our little gondola. Chetney does bring up an excellent point. We're about to go look for a bounty hunter um, with the almost identical twin <laughs> to a bounty that is out in town right now mm-hmm. uh, and suggests that maybe they disguise or maim Dorian <laughs> to make him a little different. But they kind of blow past that. Hopefully no one will recognize him. Uh, in the student's will, Ashton Right up front, I don't poor baby Ashton, I don't know what they're doing most of the time, but they just, every bar we go into, everywhere we go, Ashton has enemies. <laughs> uh, but Ashton has to buy a very expensive bottle to smooth things over with Preo Medali. Um, and so Ashton, Fern, and Fresh Cut Grass run up to the bar and do that right away. Great moment where Fern <laughs> nabs the all hammer Pachydon earring off of Ashton's back. Yeah. Uh, to use that to help pay some of the cost for the bottle. It would have been 80 gold. 
She knocks it down to 40 and then Ashton pays 50 because they know they're going to get into trouble again. Mm-hmm. Um, good moments all around. The bottle they get is some sort of weird elvish plum wine. Yeah. And Lana can actually read elvish, which is really cool. Uh, I think it might be a class feature because she describes her like eyes going white and you know. yeah. I'm not sure if she uses like comprehend languages for it or something yeah. of that kind of nature. But uh, the plan is we're gonna ask around. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what we can get out of Preo. Maybe get her drunk and <laughs> see if yes, get the bartender drunk. Right? Yeah, like that's gonna ever work. Uh, and they send out their most inquisitive. Their top rank negotiator, interrogator extraordinaire. Mm-hmm. Send in the bot, fresh cut grass, <laughs> uh, rolls on over with a shot for uh, Preo. And shot given, awkward pause had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and fresh cut grass just, just, just comes out and asks, you know, uh, do you know where Alternavo is? Do you, do you, can, can you help us? speak to her and Freya is a little shifty um and you know says that they're not related that she does not know where she is and um not all unia or know each other yeah not all of us know each other yeah we have different last names and everything exactly uh but with his passive perception um Matt is able to give the clue that Fresh Cut Grass notices uh, Preo look towards the kitchens Mm -hmm. and get a little bit tight-lipped. So with that knowledge, Fresh Cut Grass returns and tells the team. And then we have the brainstorming session uh, to figure out what they're going to do with this information. Chutney offers to go investigate. Um, and we have Ashton who goes to kind of distract a little bit. Um, Chetney is able to turn invisible. Mm-hmm. And this slap seems- story. <laughs> and slap story. And this seems to be a, like, a, a class feature, maybe? I am not sure. I don't know of any gnomes that get the just, I can turn invisible. Yeah, because that's like a, um, furbog thing. Yeah. But yeah, for a gnome, that seems interesting. But, um... Yeah, it definitely seems to be a class feature because later someone else turns Dorian or um, Chetney invisible yeah, rather than him turn himself. So it's not like it's not a spell or if it is, you know, we had one spell slot or something. Yeah. It might be like a feat. Maybe he took like shadow touched or something like that mm. um, that lets him do that. But pops the invisibility and runs into the kitchen uh, off of the distraction from Ashton talking to the bartender. Uh, now, when he gets in there, he meets one of the new favorite NPCs uh, of Critical Role. <laughs> <laughs> Slides past a large ogre doing all the cooking in the kitchen. Um, and <laughs> we later find out this ogre's name is Pretty. <laughs> and he is a a very, very nice chef. Who just wants to make good food and wants to make people happy. He does use this like feet to pick up ham that falls on the ground. You know, sometimes you don't want to waste food, okay? <laughs> sometimes you don't want to waste it. Um, 
But Chetney discovers a secret door in the back of the kitchen. Uh, and because he's a small, small gnomish man uh, who's very old and very frail, he needs some help moving the cart out of the way. The bookcase. The bookcase, sorry. The bookcase out of the way. We find out it's only a cart, but it looks <laughs> like a bookcase to Chetney. I think it's really interesting that Travis has built a strength-based rogue who then claims to not be able to move a bookcase. Yeah, right? I mean, I guess you need the distraction, too. There oh is someone God. in there with you, but... Uh, but Chetney pockets a couple vegetables... Uh, rolls one just to see what the reaction is and and pretty just kind of picks it up and puts it back on the table and then runs back out to the team to report. Oh, sorry. It wasn't the hand fell on the ground. It was the tomato that Chetney rolled that uh, they pick up with their feet. Uh, okay, okay. And so we get the distraction idea checklist where we go down the party and see what the plan is for getting Chutney into this secret room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, we got some good ones. Laudna suggests setting the cook's face on fire. Mm, poor Pretty. Uh, we don't, well, you know, we don't know. We don't know Pretty yet. Um, Chutney says they should take out the waiters. So the cook has to leave and start serving himself. Decent plan, decent plan. Um... Probably don't want to take that many people out, but decent plan. Mm -hmm. Freshka Grass uh, notices that he could probably mind control some people and make them do something that is not their job mm -hmm. uh, to get them out of the kitchen. And then Fern, with the great idea of just eating the food, eating the food and complimenting the chef. Mm -hmm. uh, personally, what plan would you have gone with? like started a fire in the bar so everyone evacuated <laughs> you light the bar on fire yeah you know you gotta do what you gotta do it's property destruction someone's gotta have like minor illusion they can fill some space with smoke or something that is not nice the poor bar everyone's gonna want refunds it's the middle of the day. There weren't that many people there. Oh my god. And it's the soot and spire. It's already been lit on fire once. The soot and swill. Soot and swill. Oh, sorry. There's too many asses. It's the soot and swill. It's already been lit on fire once. That's true. It's full of soot. Uh, <laughs> but they eventually go with Fern's plan. And we split the party into three groups-ish. <laughs> we got Orem, Chetney, Ashton, and Dorian all going to infiltrate the kitchens and move the bookcase. Mm -hmm. We have Fresh Cut Grass on bar distraction duty. Oh, he's supposed to use his bottle trick to uh, distract the bar. And Imogen was helping with that, too. Imogen helped for a second, but then went Imogen's back to the table. set it up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where we have Team C, Fern, Imogen, and Laudna, who distract the cook. Mm -hmm. um, this could have gone very poorly, but... We see... Goes surprisingly well, actually. Now, Team B, Fresh Cut Grass, uh, Sam, forget what the hell they're talking about in terms of the bottle trick. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure they meant for Fresh Cut Grass to take a bottle and drink it and then pour it back out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is normal. <laughs> which is trick. the bottle trick. Uh, but instead, he places a bottle on his head and rolls back and forth. 
Mm-hmm. Rolls a like nat twenty, right? Yeah. So dex on, the, on the deck save, fresh cut grass rolls a natural twenty, and it turns out that they are wildly entertaining, and the entire bar is very much into whether or not this bottle is going to fall off this robot's head. Uh, anticipation matt describes it as instead of him balancing the bottle he's just floating it back and forth constantly on the verge of tipping over which is kind of cool i would like to see that but also it's not that cool uh, doesn't do any tricks or anything like what's going on should have been like juggling or something that would have been impressive um (laughs) Team C, Fern, grabs one of the nearby waiters uh, after she gets her meal and exclaims about how she wants to uh, talk to the chef and give her compliments. And mm-hmm. A very ratatouille moment. Very ratatouille moment. And out from the kitchen's bursts, this giant ogre running over, pushing people <laughs> out of the way, comes to Fern's side and Fern just lays it on thick. And... Pretty starts to cry. It's so cute. It's actually really, really adorable. And if we hurt pretty, I will riot. I know, right? Um, but Team C does a great job of distracting pretty, asking for the recipe, talking to him while Team A makes it inside. Uh, how many characters does it take to open a door? Oh my goodness. Uh all of That's them. That's the theme of the episode, <laughs> apparently. Exactly. Uh Worm <laughs> throws the card out of the way. Chutney, again, can't get this door unlocked. Ashton can't get this door unlocked. Um, And they're running out of time. Ashton actually switches over to cook to make sure nothing burns. Mm -hmm. Um, Chutney, one more time, with a higher DC, finally gets the door open. And everyone rushes inside. Not sure what the plan was, because Chutney's invisible. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But the other three are very visible. And walking into a space, a secret space... Where they think a bounty hunter is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we take the break. What a mess. So, at this point in the episode, what are you thinking? Where Where's your brain going? How is this going to go? Well, I guess they've got more people than the one potential bounty hunter. But we also uh, had found out that like there was no back door. It was just built into the spire. So I was really worried we were going to have another um, Thieves Guild vibe where they walk in and all of a sudden there's like 20 people staring at them. Oh, yeah, that would have been bad. But uh, yeah, they planning, maybe not always the best with this group. Not at all. So we come back from break and Artanovo is ready. She heard them making lots of noise outside, the failed lockpick attempts, and crossbow ready and aimed, or hands up, still gets shot in the face. That's a little little suspect there, Otana. Rude. Very rude, very rude. My hand's up. What what are you scared of me for, huh? My hands are up. (laughs) Anyway, Artanovo fires off a bolt, hits Orem. Orem insists that they are just there to talk. Um... And Artana fires another shot towards Dorian. Uh, and there's a very tense conversation that happens here. They're just trying to get some information on Gurge. 
where did she take him? What happened? You know, how can get they get him back? Uh, and Artana is very standoffish until gold begins to appear from various sources. <laughs> we got 30 gold from Chetney. And a rocking horse. And a rocking horse. We got a match of 30 gold from Dorian. Uh, and then we got an additional 10 gold from Jenny, I think, <laughs> after Ashton threatens threatens him, saying, you know, that better be all the money you have. Um, <laughs> and then Orem, finally, at the end, puts down 100 gold. Mm-hmm. All of this to get information on where Gurge is and what is going on. Uh, so With a nat 20... And a total of 103 gold on the table. Uh, she finally shares the name of the client who hired her to bring Gurge back alive, which was Valia Dertrana. Dertrana, yes. There we go. From um, the moon tower. At the moon tower. Oh um, and then she was also... Upset about the job because it was harder than advertised. Yes. They asked how much it would take for her to, like, retrieve Gurge again. And she said, 8,000 gold. So. Yeah. So. They, I, I don't think that's going to work very well. I guess she was not paid that much to uh, retrieve him the first time. Yeah. Uh, and then she does also give them the, like, hint to not get bitten by Gurge. So, with that hint... Of course, everyone at the table thinks werewolf. Uh, that was a theory going around that Chetney was a werewolf. Mm. He was the one who actually attacked Gurge. Um, oh, and like didn't realize didn't it. Realize oh, that's it. interesting. Uh, they make a joke about it later where Orm's like, Travis, you could have been a known werewolf. And Travis goes, up, oh, reset. Take two. <laughs> Gotta do this again. Could have. Uh, if he's not a known werewolf, I will be very sad. Aw. <sighs> Such a good idea. Um, I don't I don't know that much about D D werewolf lore, but um with werewolf as an idea, we know that Gurge was normal and then when they tried to bring him in, he kind of became this monster. Mm-hmm. Um but we don't necessarily know that it was like during a full moon or yeah. something like that yeah. that would have caused the werewolf. So it yeah. seems to be more maybe like a wild shape or something to me if he could do it kind of on command. Yeah, depending on how you play it, werewolves can transform on kind of command. Uh, there's a very interesting werewolf that got released in, I want to say, not Curse of Strahd, but uh, whatever that Curse of Strahd book companion was, um, that gives you a very scary version of a werewolf mm. uh, that you may or not be seeing in the future. Maybe who knows? Uh, might no, be no. Your, your game's coming up. Um, so don't get bitten is what we get. Mm-hmm. Um, they do also um, ask Artana a little bit about a twenty thousand dollar bounty. Oh God! This and was she so kind of notes that Dorian matches the description. Um, so it takes a little bit of persuasion for Dorian to convince her that he isn't the mark. Um, and she kind of assumes that it's a family member, correctly assumes that, and advises him to tell his family that if he's in town, he should leave because lots of people are looking for him. 
and she just got her first lead. Yeah, Dorian really regrets that later. Um, definitely not a great moment. Yeah. Uh, but the group is leaving the uh, the kitchen area, the kitchen area, the back door area, uh, and we cut to Team C, who, upon noticing that the group has not come out yet. Or trying to stall for more time. Trying to stall for more time. Uh, Pretty is... Bless his heart. Hmm. He's just loving this attention. And I feel like at this point it's genuine attention because he's describing a very good recipe. You know? Uh, Matt does say that under all the gravy slathered on top is a meal. Uh, it's a little greasy, but... It's a, it's a good grease. It's a good greasy southern meal. Yeah, you know. Um... And, you know, sometimes it's all you need. You just need some grease to clog up the arteries. Yeah, I mean, in the South, some of the best food comes from gas stations. So. Exactly. Um, but. They uh, invite Pretty, while stalling for time, on a date with all three of the ladies. Fern, Ooh, uh, Imogen, pretty. and Laudna. And uh, Pretty very quickly takes them up on that let's offer. Let's go, Pretty. Good job. Uh, they, Team A, Team Kitchen Infiltration tries to make their way out of the kitchen. Uh, two people succeed, two fail. Doran rolls a nat one. Of course he does. Um, but they are able to kind of get out of there. Pretty pushes past him um, in a hurry to finish his shift so he can get to his date. So mm. notices them, but doesn't like notice them. notice them or pay that much attention to it. Does not notice me, senpai. They do also, uh, Ashen remarks about how expensive... That was, and, uh, you know, everyone kind of meets back together, talks a little bit about what is going on. They, uh, the ladies let them know that they have a date this evening. Yeah. Can't be late for that date. Cannot stand up pretty. Yeah. That'd be, would be awful. So, um, they decide to kind of take their lead to the core spire, um, to kind of stake out the moon spire a little bit, follow up on the name that they found from Artana and just kind of go from there. They also talk about how uh, they need to go to the course spire anyway to get their season passes from the theater. Yeah, take Chet and take Chet and take pretty to the theater. Yeah, so that'd be a cute date. Uh, so they do make it back to the course spire, going on the cable car yet again. Oh my god, they are so rich. Uh, earlier, they did remark about how they should get like fast passes. <laughs> Get like an easy pass to go through. I love it. <laughs> um, but they kind of make their way back to the course buyer. Chetney even talks about how very rich and very generous uh, they are. And uh, remarks that they gave Artan about half of what he owns. So yeah. he probably has a little bit more money stashed away. Maybe like 40 gold. Yeah, there's probably not much there. Maybe. Um, Dorian, this is kind of where he gets a little broody, upset that he probably gave information that could get his brother caught to the bounty hunter. He realizes his mistake. Yeah. Yeah, not everyone can be trusted. Uh, then they talk a little bit about the infliction that Artana maybe hinted at is when they're kind of taking some ponderings about werewolves they get a little bit of um information about um or actually no, i think that's a little bit later uh but they ask about the moon cycles 
um, just like the natural moon cycles. Yeah. So they were asking about what they knew, what they would know about werewolves and uh, whether or not, you know, through just general lore, they would know. And Matt does remark that, you know, werewolves are a thing, but they're really a thing more in children's stories that that's the context that they would have them for. Uh, they do ask about the moon cycles and he does mention that uh, the moons are very strange. He's got like, he launches into a moon lore dump yeah. that you can there's tell. There's two moons in, yeah. on this world. You can tell that he like has that down. Oh yeah. He like spent time figuring out the um, astronomy yeah. of it. But Rudis, I think, I think it's Rudis, the smaller moon, is always in the sky um, and gets a little bit brighter, a little bit duller, uh, but it doesn't wax or wane. So the larger moon, uh, I can't remember the name of the larger moon. Cat Callie or something like that. Something like that. Um, that is the one that would do, be going through the cycles. Um, but it has been waxing, sorry, waning. Cathia. Cathia. There you go. Um and so there would not be a full moon anytime soon. Um, so they kind of talk a little bit about that as they make their way back. All right. So uh, they know that. So recapping, they know that Gerd was delivered to the moon tower, which is within the mirror towers um, to a person named Valia Vertrana. That's not a great word for me to try to say. Dertrana. There we go. Um, and the moon tower within the mirror towers is on the core spire. Thanks for making that easy, Matt. Right? <laughs> um, and this part of the uh, of Drusar is kind of where guilds carry some of their business. Um, so no one ha- has been there yet because no one has a reason to have been there. Mm-hmm. The group kind of checks in with Chetney because at this point, it seems like they are trying to help a killer or at least a bad guy get away. Monster, maybe? It's, it's just very weird that they're going through all this trouble just so that Chetney can get a regular job as a carpenter. So what's the deal? Um, why is he so dedicated to doing this? And Chutney mentions that when he left Uthodurn, he left his career and kind of everything behind him. So this was supposed to be someone who could help them, you know, get a fresh start and get back into things. Uh, Imogen rolls a insight check here and Travis rolls a deception check. I don't think for any other reason than just to taunt Laura. Yeah. I think he was just being silly. Um, but with a, I think he got a 19 on the deception. He, she gets nothing real. Um, but yeah, he says like um, he's kind of just felt like Gurge understood and appreciated his skills when maybe people in Uthadurn didn't quite, quite do the same. Mm-hmm. So we move forward to the mirror towers. Norm kind of suggests that you know. Lady's got a date tonight. Why don't we just go check it out, scout it around, see what we can see, and then they go to their date. Um, and Matt describes a very, very beautiful scene of gardens and jungle and a waterfall that cascades off the side but has no source and creates this mist. 
you can tell that uh, my D&D descriptions for my games are very, very uh, nondescript as I never remember anything that Matt describes as well as you do. <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, stop a couple kind of coming out of this area and Orem asks a couple questions and explains that they're from out of town. Um, and the woman explains that each tower has their own purpose. You know, like some are from diplomats who are on leave here. Some are for working. Some of them are for uh, the different guilds. And very quickly gets fed up with Orem's questions as he kind of tries to pump her for a little bit more information. She's like, I want to leave work. Please exactly. leave me alone. <laughs> um, and she, he kind of relents and Fern just noticing this woman's monocle walks up to her and asks for it to her credit. She asks, she doesn't just like rip it off her face. <laughs> that is true. Uh, uh, we also have fresh cut grass kind of looking overhead to see if there's a more wilder presence in the sky which isn't really any more than usual. Um, we also have Chetney kind of looking at iconography um, with the 14 kind of sees that the front tower has a um, symbol above the door that kind of looks like a circle surrounded by diamonds. So maybe like a sun or a snowflake. Uh, there are guards kind of walking around and um, Imogen goes up to a guard. Chetney asks if she's looking for another date. Yes. <laughs> More dates. Um, Fresh Cut Grass does cast Guidance before she approaches. And she um, kind of spins the story about being um, from Gelvon and having orders from Master Faramore to talk to the business commissioner. But she rolls a nat one on her deception check. Of course. Um, so they basically say that she's out of luck unless she has an appointment. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, you know, that she should submit something in writing. And Imogen's like, well, I have. It's just, you know, the letter probably hasn't arrived yet. <laughs> mail these days, you know? Um, Imogen does introduce herself as Imogen of the Faramore house, uh, which he jots down kind of on the notepad. And the guard does point out which of the towers is the moon tower. I guess he's not supposed to, because Matt did describe another guard um, silently chastising him for doing yeah, so. Yeah, kicks his foot kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Laudna does say maybe they should see if Estros can help get them into the moon tower. Um, because as they're looking around, they see that, like, there's metal pikes around gates and, like, it's not yeah. really a sneak-in kind of place. And they also make a note about how they tend to resort to B&E, so maybe <laughs> they cannot do that. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple how-do-we-get-in-here theories thrown out. Um, Ashton wants to throw Orm over the wall. Uh, there's, there's thoughts of repelling. There's, uh, a, a great one from Dorian who accidentally, uh, offers himself up as a bounty, uh, saying that, you know, we know Artana took a bounty here. Maybe we just get a bounty of our own and take it here. And everyone assumes that Dorian is saying to submit use him, as, him <laughs> as the bounty. God, no, please um, don't. That is a great idea. Um, and he's like, no, wait, I meant like 
find a just small, easy bounty and like we actually be bounty hunters and bring this person in. Uh, but that does spark the idea and everyone's like, well, if that's something we do ever need to use, we should probably get your brother out of town. Yeah. Um, and so with all these kind of theories and maybes and ideas on how to get in, they regroup and they just decide to go to Estros just to see. Mm-hmm. Um a very funny moment where Orm ascribes this idea to Imogen uh, when it was Ladna, and Ladna's like, it was my idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone reassures her that was a good idea. <laughs> uh, we do also find out that Chetney has mm, fake manacles <laughs> in his possession. Oh, yeah. That slap on to Dorian, and he can just take them right off. They don't actually lock. I'm sure adorable. they're going to find some good use for that later adorable so uh, we once again go that, back to estros for i the like dip. that we haven't seen this man in like four days and now we're back at his apartment like twice in one day yeah he's like munching on cookies that he made and uh lana is like oh it tastes like turmeric and he's very happy about that yeah because we know that he's proud of his baking even if it's not always the best baking. Exactly. Uh, it is now canon in universe that Astros invented ginger snaps. <laughs> um, but they ask him to help them out yeah, a little bit. Give him a reason to get into there. Um, Imogen kind of tells him about the story she had started to spin about Master Faramore. And um, he takes ink and quill and... Writes a letter, seals it right away. Yeah, right away. Right in front of her. Right away. Where's my Star Stream Academy letter? Star Streak. <laughs> What's going on here, Asteros? Why haven't you written the one letter I asked you to write? Mm-hmm. Anyway, writes the letter. Uh, and then they mm-hmm. bring up bounties again. Uh, this time kind of revealing their hand why they're talking about this yes uh and dorian's kind of like hey you know this is kind of the situation and ashton focuses on first getting cyrus out of town Mm -hmm. uh and while out of town is good astros remarks that uh getting rid of the bounty altogether would be best you know um either paying it or returning what was stolen and they mentioned that uh at first they called it a golem Estoros refers to it as an automaton. Mm. And I talked about it last time. In campaign one, there was a stone golem uh, named Fassbender that Vax and I think Vex at some point uh, used a circlet to control with their mind. Um, so I don't know if it's at all related or at all the same type, but um, it's interesting now that they refer to it as an automaton. Yeah. But Estros, kind of having heard how high the bounty is, says that like that bounty will follow Cyrus even if he leaves town. So mm-hmm. that's why kind of erasing the bounty would be better. Yeah, there's an interesting moment where he almost like he offers to pay it. And that seems like a steep price for people you just met a week ago. Yeah, I mean, he does kind of like imply that they would owe him mm-hmm. for that. It's not like completely generous in nature. Mm-hmm. But they now have this letter. Um, oh, also, sorry. Going back a second. 
they do um, explain that Cyrus was like a fall guy and mm-hmm. that nothing um, is really, they don't really know what was stolen. Um, just that it had, there was a trunk with JH on it. And Imogen kind of glares at Ashton a bit because she knows that he has some kind of link to that initial. Yeah, I think at this point, Talison uh, may have just forgot about the letter that <laughs> they redacted uh, yeah, from JH, but uh, it is a good moment, good callback to that. It's probably good to remind Talison about it. Exactly. So now they have the letter from Estros to get into the moon tower. And even though it's almost sunset and they are getting close to their date with Pretty. Well, he gets off two hours after sunset. Still, it's too close. They got to get dressed they and changed. Yeah, and... the hair, makeup, it all takes a little bit. Yeah. Um, but they do decide to go back. To and they still haven't picked up their theater tickets. Still haven't picked up their theater tickets. But they do decide to go back and... Pay another silver. pay another silver to go back to uh the moon towers and while they go back they talk about dates Mm -hmm. we get the reveal that imogen's never been on a date she doesn't know what's going on she doesn't she doesn't hasn't dated um fern she's been on dates but she's got a very interesting list of things that she likes to do on dates hashtag flirty fern so many things. So many things. Maybe some things involving maple syrup. Who knows? Oh, God. <laughs> um, Laudna also has not been on a date. But before she died, she did have a crush on a boy. Um, not who, Percy. Who threw dirt in her face. His <laughs> name was Andy. Mm. Uh, Whitestone Andy. <laughs> Definitely everyone was fishing for Percy. I feel like everyone was fishing for Percy. Yeah, right. Uh, but... Marisha does very explicitly say she did not know Percy. <laughs> Which I feel like is good because that's a little bit. There's too many connections there. Yeah, that's too much. Too much. Yes. Um, but then so they decide to continue down. Um, make their way Making back <laughs> to the moon tower uh-huh. in hopes that maybe they can rattle Valley, you know, at the end of the work day and just. You know, maybe something will slip there. Exactly. Ashton also does have a really funny moment of, like, describing how they definitely need to go on this date and make it work because you could ruin their chances of ever being able to go to the bar again. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. He goes, he goes on a little bit of a personal rant. And I feel <laughs> like some of those are plucked directly from backstory experiences, you know. Right. But uh, they show it back to the moon tower and they present their letter and eventually are let in. I did not see that going that smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. They, they give the letter and it works. And, you know, thanks to Estros. Uh, so they. To my homie Estros. Uh, it's also at this point in time that, you know, storm is eminent in the sky and oh God. rain begins to fall. So dramatic. It was actually kind of cool though. He hit the buttons on the on the set and it started raining and it was good. Yeah, the new set is super cool for yeah, sure. Yeah, you could definitely see uh Marisha and Ashley and I think Laura all very much appreciating the mood setting. <laughs> Although I think the rain sound would make me have to pee if I was oh, yeah. plain. It made me have to pee while I was watching it. <laughs> it was true. 
Um, so they go into the courtyard. Um, they talk to an older elven man. Uh, man, after Imogen cleans everyone up with prestidigitation, got to be presentable. Very necessary. Um, and he goes and um, like looks at the office space where Valley's supposed to be to see if he's in and they can meet with them. Yeah, uh, Fern touches the bookcase and yes. goes blind. Uh, <laughs> that is true, I'm hilarious. sorry. Can't forget that. Yeah, they, there was like a, a bunch of books locked up behind bars that, um, that are all just numbered and don't have titles. And yeah, Fern decides to touch the thing and gets shocked with a lot of electricity. I just love that uh, it was an electric fence when they kept calling it an electric fence. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this young man returns and... Tells them that Vali is not in, uh, not not able to take their call now. Uh, and like the pushy, pushy Karens they are, they insist that, <laughs> you know, are you sure? Is it, are you sure they're okay? Because you weren't gone for very long. I, are they alive you, back there? Did you see them? I, I don't know. I feel like you should probably check on them again. Uh, and they go back and check and um and they start to try to like follow him too yeah. full on behind the manager behind the desk going to see the manager um and again they are stopped you know not in actually left for the day didn't see him leave but must have left for the day because mm-hmm. they're not in um and chetney at this point gets pushed behind dorian dorian with an excellent move here casts invisibility on chetney and manages to do so uh, on a really good sleight of hand check uh, with the verbal and somatic components thing mm-hmm. chetney goes invisible and uh while not able to initially pick the lock when the young elvish man returns and you know kind of opens the door again on prompting from imogen who tries to like give him a letter to give to uh, valley he eventually gets it well they do have they give a bit of a distraction first that's true because uh then fresh cut grass touches the books and pretends to be like Electric. rebooted and all of that uh good fun stuff they like cry and summon the wardens outside and they managed to kind of roll him out yes and that's when um they give the letter to the clerk, and then as he's delivering the letter, that's when Chetney is able to kind of sneak in. Yes. But it does mean that everyone has now left the building except for Chetney, who's now in this room that gets locked behind him, which is super, super great. And he already had failed to pick the lock to get in with like a 21 too. Yeah, so he did a 21 and then a 26 and both failed. Yeah, like it's it not not a good good vibe. Travis has been waiting for this moment since campaign 1 <laughs> where Vax ran into a building ahead of everyone else, didn't tell anyone where they were going. Mm-hmm. Uh and got himself into some hot shit and had to figure a way out. He has wanted to do this forever. <laughs> Just get into mischief. So uh, he is now in Valia Dortrana's office and uh, is 
looking through, like, at first he doesn't really want to touch things. There's lots of bookcases, actual bookcases this time. Yes. Um, he sees that the decor is a little gaudy. Um, he looks and finally kind of starts to, to rifle through some of the things. He can hear some noise behind one of the bookcases. Um, he does also see a bunch of papers and in the papers is a trade map. And Travis gets a physical map from a map from Devin Matt. Rue. Uh, good job, Devin Rue. Mm-hmm. Beautiful map. I saw it online the other day. It looked amazing. So they now have a map, which is always exciting. I love that Travis always ends up with the map, even though I feel like Travis has the worst sense of direction. Right. <laughs> of all of them, but Travis has the map again. So um, he's kind of looking through the drawers. He picks a couple of locks on the desk. It's uh, one drawer that has a hundred platinum and a book. Yeah, it has a chest with a hundred platinum and six gold, <laughs> and then a book that seems to be some kind of um, ledger. And one of the things that catches his eye is uh, one that's recorded as "requested by Nightmare King, bring alive," which is the edgiest of edge lord names. Oh my goodness! Right. <laughs> Teddy's a face. Teddy's a face. Nightmare King. Um, there's like this glowing orb and he goes to put his ear to it. And uh, just to make sure. Just to make sure. Uh, Imogen does tell him that like the connection's going to fade soon. Uh, he goes to the other drawer and sees a velvet sack. Um, lots of coins in this bag, but no keys. Um, finally, Imogen kind of gives that last ditch. <laughs> communication of looking um, in the drawers for any kind of mechanisms that might open the bookcase. And when he sticks his hand down in the drawer, the bookcase opens to a darkened staircase. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, And this is where you decide. Do you go forward or do you go back? Yeah, I mean, he knows that he's got a door that goes forward and he's got a locked door behind him. I feel like he forgets that this door is locked. Yeah, there's no quick escape. Weird that you could lock a door from the outside and couldn't lock unlock it from the inside. I mean, that's true. He doesn't try to like unlock the door or open it, so he might be able to to get to it. But with a lock that was that high, it could be a magical lock. Who knows? Yeah. Um, But he decides that he's gonna take all of the money with him, and he's here for the Beast Man. Yes, he's going for it, full on Vaxeldon. Goes directly into the belly of the beast alone. He overhears a conversation. Our patron was pushing for legislation in the legislation in the coming weeks. So whatever you have planned must be quickened. A different voice says that um, they can't begin to imagine what pattern they made on the city and that they could use more of the like riffraff because no one's going to miss them. They could even use children. That first voice objects to that and tells them to you know finish their work and then be gone from their life um then he hears footsteps coming up the stairs he realizes he don't know chetney realizes he has not closed the bookcase again uh and he also this is when he does try to get the office door open and he can't which yeah it's weird that like, he can't unlock the door from the inside but it's you know. weird um so he goes and tries to hide in the corner uh, an elven man, maybe half elvish, uh, arrives, 
closes the bookcase by reaching behind a portrait and kind of looks at the desk, looks around, realizes that stuff is a a miss, (laughs) Uh, draws a saber from the wall and kind of looks around the room. Can't see Chetney because Chetney's still invisible, Uh, but he starts sniffing. Which is weird. Which is weird. Elves don't have like particularly heightened sniffers. Sniffers. So maybe he is also some beast. Maybe he's a shifter. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Like gets right up next to Chetney and Chetney decides that the best course of action is to run and jump out the stained glass window and just, yeah, goes through the window and throws a tomato on his way out. Uh, the one that he stole from the kitchen earlier. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the party in the rain just hears the shattering of glass in the distance. And that is where we end for the week. I would like to say that that is almost beat for beat what happens to Vax in the <laughs> Gang of the Briarwood arc. He goes up. He gets caught in a room he's not supposed to be in. He's visible. Mm. Uh, and for a second, he's getting his ass kicked. And he jumps out of a window, and the rest of the party hear him jump out of a window. <laughs> Chetney just doesn't wait to get his ass kicked. He needs to save that HP for the fall damage. Exactly. <laughs> I can't wait to see art of this tiny gnomish man jumping out of the window into the rain. Do we know how high up in this tower he is? So or he whether the spire, like he's, you know... On the edge of the spire, because we see that there's a waterfall that just goes to nothing. He jumps and he lands. Okay. Um, and he's out there in the rain. So Matt didn't say any fall damage. I don't know if that's like a, a thief thing for Rogue, because we still don't really know the subclass. Yeah. Travis does say assassinate mm. in this episode. Uh, jokingly, I think, because he's uh, invisible at one point and, and goes to potentially kill that young elven man who uh, <laughs> has been stalling them uh, from getting to Vali's quarters. Um, but still don't know the subclass. <laughs> Just all the chaos, though. So much chaos. The highs and the lows this episode. How do you feel at the end? They need to make it to their date. I'm so concerned about this date. I'm, <laughs> I'm not even also like lying. very concerned about this date. <laughs> I know it's two hours after sunset when he gets off, but like, come on, guys. It's going to take you a little while to get there. I, and... I need them to not be late. I feel so bad for Pretty. I'm <laughs> right? going to cry if he's like standing in the rain and no one shows up. Have you seen any art for Pretty? No, I've not. Because he looks adorable scary and adorable that's so cute it's wonderful best npc so far best npc so far (laughs) uh all right so i do have a couple questions for you i want to know how you feel about two very very important things Okay, okay number one who's the best baker the shadow baker or lord esteros and why are there so many bakers in this town Where's the candlestick maker? <laughs> there is no candlestick maker. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, we need to commission food from Lord Esteros because the shadow baker gives you the recipe that like fits you in your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I need them to 
have something specially made from Lord Ashtaros. Okay, okay. To really be able to judge that. You're right. I, I see. That's fair. No, what do you think? What do you think? Uh, it's all. I'm Team Ashtaros all the way. Okay. Uh, Shadow Baker is shifty and also almost got us killed. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> that is true. Um, Although we have almost died from the errands that Lord Ashtaros has sent them on. To be so. fair, Lord Ashtaros almost killed us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Himself. Uh, himself. <laughs> but... More more importantly, why do you think, do you think there is anything to Astros not giving them the StarCraft Academy letter <laughs> yet? Because we just saw him bust out a letter real quick with a little seal that got them into a secure-ish place. I do think there's something shifty about Lord Astros not being shifty. Okay. You know, like... There's this ex machina kind of character who can get them into locked doors and just has all the information that they might need in this town, or at least leads. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we've got to start asking ourselves, like, what is the cost of this information? Like, nothing is free. Yeah. And, uh, I don't mean, I don't know. So far, he's been too good. And I'm, I'm concerned about this. I get that. I get that. I could see that. Uh, I thought of him initially as, you know, like Bruce Wayne, mm. tons of money, recluse, uh, secretly some sort of crime fighter, but now he can't crime fight like in Batman Beyond. And so he needs more people to crime fight for him. Um, but it does like there's it's weird that he doesn't have an ulterior motive. That we know of and i don't know if that's just like matt playing with our expectations uh he does this back in campaign two uh where we expect something and you haven't seen this yet so i'm trying not to spoil it we expect a certain outcome from you know like a big decision and instead he gives us while we expect like a depressingly normal outcome mm. he gives us the outcome that we should all hope for Aww. you know what i mean uh, yeah, and we're all surprised nice nice. by the good that happens. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Hmm. I'm I'm holding out hope that Astros is just a good guy, but the fact that he has so many connections is now worrying. Yeah, especially like as they're slowly starting to kind of touch more and more on the conspiracies in the politics and like. Eshra says that there's some good people higher up, but then there's also bad people. And he like want, he's a fan of this gang that literally steals from the rich. So like, wh which one is it? And yeah. so, yeah, as we're trying to like unravel the politics and that kind of tangled web and, you know, if any political th thrillers have uh, taught me anything, like all of those bad people <laughs> this house of cards type like right show it makes me makes me wary especially since they're putting so many like eggs in this basket of mm -hmm. estros so i don't know it might just be you know setting some expectations to not fulfill it or maybe you're just picking up on very small hints that might be leading to something bigger. 
Or maybe Matt just forgot about the letter again and I'm fishing. <laughs> it's true. I mean, we have to also have a reason for them to continue working together if Estrus just answers all of their problems of why they started here in the first place. Exactly. Um, okay. All right. I feel that. Any other thoughts, feels, predictions going forward from this episode? Well, I had a question for you. Ooh, what do we got? What do we got? We've talked a little bit at the very beginning about the pacing. Mm-hmm. I just want kind of a little bit more of your thoughts on how that's going. If this is important that we're kind of taking our time or if, you know, there's a purpose behind this little bit of dragging start. Um, to Drusar and really spending a lot of time in this town. What, what are you thinking about that? I have three separate, uh, but equally probably incorrect thoughts. Um, one from just like an outside mechanical, not necessarily business, but like logistical perspective. Um, Travis wanted to play a character who got introduced late. Mm hmm. But still wanted to be in the show, so they had Bertrand. Mm-hmm. Um, and while Bertrand got knocked off in the first three episodes, um, there was still twelve-ish hours of bonding time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and now we have Chetney, who we also still need to bond with, um, because they had that period of time where it was just the seven of them. Um. And now we have Chetney and we have to kind of integrate him into the story, integrate him into the cast. Uh, And while it's Travis and so everyone wants him to be there, there's also a. There's also a um, a worry of like, does this narratively make sense? So I think that's probably why they're still in Drusar. Um, I think the question of, hey, Chetney, why are you doing this all for a job? that's been brought up a couple of times is really important. And it might be give you a job, man. Exactly. It might be, I'm hoping they thought it through in that. Gurge isn't just some random guy to Chetney. And maybe there's a deeper connection there because if it's just a random guy, then why did we do all of this? You mm. know what I mean? Like, and then if they do succeed in getting Gurge back, why would, Chetney stay with them if he yeah. was working to get Gurge back to be able to do this more carpentry, carpentry work. job. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, it could result in like a cute little moment where Chetney is like, you know, I'll stay with you guys. You know, this has been really fun and it's given me like a new passion in my life. Mm-hmm. I still love woodworking, but this is also a new passion for me. Um, but I think that primarily like the logistical of, hey, we need Travis in the show but he's playing two characters and they just needed more time to sit and ingratiate them into the story. Uh, I also think that pacing wise, this season seems to be one where they're willing to take more chances going back to, you know, Dorian even being here, uh, Liam and Ashley playing characters from a show that you may or may not have watched. Um, and then just the promise that they've already set up of, hey, this season's going to be wilder and more crazy and more expansive. And then the characters and how they're playing themselves, you know, like no one is playing super, super close to the vest. We don't know a whole bunch about Imogen's backstory, but like 
Laden is all out in the open. Yeah. You know, Dorian's all out in the open. Orm's all out in the open. Uh, Fern, does Fern have a backstory? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> does Fern know? <laughs> does Fern know? Probably not. Uh, Ashton and Fresh Cut Grass, a little bit closer, but we know things about them way quicker than we knew about characters in campaign one, campaign two. Yeah. I do think that with this pacing, we've gotten to spend time doing things that we might have rushed into, you know, short conversations whilst traveling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas like they get to go on these like 20 minute diatribes about how old they are or who they've dated in the past. Yeah. I mean, so it has, it really has helped kind of build that camaraderie between the people um, throughout this group instead of just kind of rushing it together. But there hasn't been necessarily as much action to give them only combat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I feel like in campaign two, what brought them together as a group was having to rely on each other in these fights. Whereas we haven't had that as the main driving force of their friendship necessarily mm-hmm. like the mighty nine came together and immediately had to clear their name for murder and yeah work to you know absolve the guilt of you know innocent parties at a carnival rather than being like hey we we fought a chair and we did good so why don't we go talk to a rich person and see if he'll keep paying us money to do this. Yeah, I get that. And we've had more so far, more um, games that were mostly role play. Uh, Cause combat encounters can definitely get large with that group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but games that are mostly role play. We've had so many of those recently. Uh, and while I don't necessarily mind, I did miss the combat, you know, like we haven't gotten to see what Chetney can do. Mm-hmm. in that capacity uh and while they've built ten- tense moments and fun moments in the role play um give me some combat and at this point give me some exploration because i'm a little tired of drusar it's super interesting i get it the spires maybe go in back in the spire go check on the um yeah that that was a cool kind of town yeah, check on city the fam, thing uh Back at the the house there. The weird or, bird spidery thing. Yeah. Or get to the Starstream Academy so that I can see what's going on there. Um, I just need... It's not the pacing that's the issue for me. It's I need them to go somewhere else. Yeah. I, I We got to stop going from Spire to Spire, from bar to bar. Um, and that's about it. Because yeah. We haven't checked in with the Corsairs in a while. That's true. We haven't checked in with pretty much anyone for a while. Where's what's Madame Shadana doing? Yeah, like this world. Did she get her eggs? <laughs> this weird world feels weirdly big. Like there's a lot in this town. There's a lot of names and places and people that we've yeah been introduced to, but then I don't feel like I remember any of them because we haven't done anything very impactful with all of those names and places and things. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I've really fleshed out what this place looks like, because I feel like we 
are here doing this thing and then we go over somewhere else and do this thing and then go back and forth and not necessarily like connected or expanded outwards. It's just a little bit selected here and there. I feel like this is one of the longest times we've ever sat in one place. Uh, And maybe that's on purpose. Maybe when we get to our leaving Drusar moment, it'll be a more emotional, like, relieving a place we know very well that we care about kind of deal. Mm -hmm. Um, But at this point, maybe it's just I'm ready for combat or something big story-wise. Maybe the Nightmare King's probably fight club that he's got going Mm -hmm. on uh, is going to be that big thing that, like, wraps up the whole arc that, you know... This is why it was important that we go find Gurge, because now you've stumbled into this this ring of, you know, bad people and you can identify them to the rest of the city. And, oh, look, those are the uh, the Hubak Corsair. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, like, and I, maybe sorry, that's why Sean Decorum. Um, maybe that's why I'm so suspicious of Lord Asheros, too, because I'm waiting for that, like them to fall into something and that momentum to pick up because they have to keep trying to, like stop themselves from falling on their face because they stumbled into something they weren't supposed to be a part of. Exactly, yeah. And something that keeps them here and keeps them going and progressing because right now they're just, yeah, wandering a little aimlessly. They've got like little errands and tasks. I'm like ready to get away from the side quest into the main mission. Exactly. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. We, we We got another episode to watch and review, so. Yes. All right. Uh, any other predictions? Uh, how do you think the date with pretty is going to go? Uh, I think it's going to go spectacular and they're all going to realize that pretty is their soulmate. Pretty is their soulmate. Pretty is my soulmate. Um, pretty is your soulmate. Quadruple. Quadruple. Um, I hope it goes well. I hope we don't stand up pretty. We said that if we stand up pretty. Yeah, that's going to be good. Uh, and I am like, even though I am hashtag only combat, uh, check out my only combat fans page. Um, <laughs> it doesn't exist. No go there. Yes, it does. Only combat.com forward slash the inside check. Um, <laughs> even though I'm all about the combat, I do. I like those moments where like, it's ridiculous that they're all going to go on a date with pretty. And I hope there's at least a little bit of it role played, you know, like, mm-hmm. I want to see what the boys do while the date's happening, you know, like what's going on. But <laughs> that being said, give me my combat. It has been a while. I want the combat. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. <laughs> we'll have to see. Any other thoughts, feelings, musings, violent objections? We well covered it today. Are you ready to go into our insight check? Yes, our insight check. Uh, let's see. Do I have a... I do have a die here. us being prepared. I have a die. Go ahead and roll that die. Oh, my God. That's a 10 for me. That's a 10 for you? All right. What do I get? That's a big old six. All right. So, hi asks the question, right? It's been a while since I've been here for this. Yeah, I, yeah we haven't had an insight check in a while. Actually, my question for you yes, comes ma'am. from one of our lovely listeners. One of our lovely listeners asked you a question to ask to me? Yeah, and they, indeed they did. Okay. Uh, listener Melissa. Listener. Hi, Melissa. <laughs> hi, Melissa. Thank you for your question. 
uh, pointed out that I made my, you know, prediction for guest star um, who might join the table this season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Your and, prediction of The Rock. <laughs> and The Rock. Um, and you did not make one. So my question to you today is... Who would you like to see or who do you think we might see join the table this season? Well, who do you think we might see and who I'd like to see (laughs) are very different people. You can Um, give both answers. Who do I think we might see? I think we might see, of course, the return of Mika Burton, uh, Ashley Birch. I think we might also see... Ashley Birch, don't kill one of my characters. Ashley Birch, please come back and kill a character. (laughs) Also, Ashley Birch, I love you. You're amazing um <laughs> i would love to see uh return to the table or i guess it's yeah return to the table i don't know why that took me so much in my brain uh will Friedle. i would love to see will Friedle back um or even will wheaton um the cursed dice <laughs> the cursed dice I, I just i think they were fun in campaign one uh i'd love to see them come back um I would also love to see Bria show up. Mm. Maybe as Posca? Oh, yeah. I mean, we do have Posca out here causing trouble. I On a different lo- continent, though, so. Well, yeah, but I would just love, love that so much. Mm, that'd be nice. Um, but in terms of fantasy guests, uh, that probably could never happen. Um the Rock is such a good answer. <laughs> I love that answer. Um, but I'm going to say maybe... Hmm. You know what? I think it would be really, really interesting to have, like, a Michael B. Jordan. Mm, mm, okay, okay. Because... I just think he would bring something very like along with billions of screaming fans. <laughs> hello. Um, whew. I just think it'd be interesting to see him play a powerful, charismatic character uh, and have to do that all with like his voice and his ideas. Mm-hmm. Like he could play essentially Killmonger again. Uh, but I would love to see him like go on a monologue or describe how he does an attack or something. I'm sure he's got some improv classes in there. Or every actor does, right? Even even better, him be like a scrawny little wizard who's scared of everything. It'd be wrong cute. That'd be adorable. Be great. I love it. So I'll throw out Michael B. Jordan. Nice, nice. Uh, not just because I want to stare at Michael B. Jordan or anything. I still like my rock answer, of course. The rock is a uh. great answer. But I do have one that might be a little bit more plausible. Plausible. Potentially. Who we got? Um, my FYP mm-hmm. has introduced to me recently mm-hmm. that Matthew Lillard is really into D&D. Yes, Matthew Lillard is wonderful and into D&D and might have been on campaign one. Oh, there you go. So it'd be cool to get to see him. I do love Shaggy and mm-hmm. uh, my hackers <laughs> movie throwback. <laughs> Uh, there was definitely a point where my hand was on the trigger for a Beetle and Grimm's version of the Taldori, Taldori campaign guide reborn. Uh, that would have cost us probably $300. Oh my goodness. And that is his company. That's so cool. Yeah. So that could be really fun. Um, if it was a repeat from campaign one, I don't know, but I would still like to see him. I do love Matthew Lillard. How could we forget Brendan Lee Mulligan? 
Well, I think we talked about him way yeah, back yonder because there was talk about him having been on the show or for, planned to be on the show for season two, and it just the yeah, campaign turned a different direction. That direction. So, um, but would love to see that as well. Of course, of course. Well, thank you for your answer, and thank you, Melissa, for pointing out the lapse in question answering on uh, Toph's behalf. So. I don't know we could get questions for uh, from other people. I would need, I'm, need I'm, to collect audience, the comments. If you have questions, if you want me to interrogate Chelsea with questions, <laughs> send them to us over on the Inside Check on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all those places. Please let us know. What are what are the questions we need to answer? What do you want our insight on? Ah. <laughs> yes. Well, with that, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Toph, for being here with me tonight. And we will be doing this again soon because we're behind an episode. <laughs> um, but it was great getting to discuss all the fun things of episode nine of campaign three. Yes, it was. <laughs> thank you for that. That was, that was very insightful. No uh, thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next time. Uh, and don't worry. It's almost Thursday. Mm-hmm.